Hello! Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. We try to cover a variety of topics, from the White House and Congress to international headlines and climate change. And I always try to throw in some side story that doesn't quite fit into any other categories. As always, a link to all my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. Trump has several big stories on his plate right now, and two of the biggest broke on Wednesday. First, a financial disclosure report, which presidents are required to file annually, showed that Trump did in fact pay between $100,000 and $250,000 to his personal lawyer Michael Cohen to reimburse him for the hush money he paid Stormy Daniels. In case you've been totally out of this loop, Stormy Daniels is a former porn star with whom Trump had an affair. The story of how Trump paid Daniels to stay quiet about that affair has been unraveling over the past couple of months, and this latest revelation is the most concrete evidence to date of Trump's involvement in the cover-up. With Trump's involvement firmly established now, the next question is whether or not the payoff violated campaign finance laws. Trump and his new defense attorney Rudy Giuliani say no, and it may be difficult to prove otherwise, no matter the reality. The payoff only violated campaign finance laws if it was a campaign expense, and the only way to call it that is to prove that the hush deal was directly related to the fact that Trump was running for president. If it was related, then the hush money is legally considered a campaign expense, and because it was neither made using campaign funds nor disclosed in campaign financial reports, it would be considered a violation of campaign finance law. Critics of the president say that the fact that the payoff was made just days before the 2016 election indicates that it was indeed related. Supporters, obviously, say the two events were completely unrelated. Interestingly, if the Trump campaign had paid with campaign funds, it likely would have landed them in legal trouble for misuse of campaign funds. And if Cohen's original story had been true, which it turns out it wasn't, that he had paid Daniels with his own money and never been reimbursed, there was some concern that such a payment would legally amount to a campaign contribution, one well above the mark that requires disclosure. So all in all, no matter how it shakes out, this whole thing has led to quite a legal mess, and yet another cloud hanging over the Trump administration. The other big story is that North Korea is threatening to cancel its summit with the US next month. Kim Jong-un is shifting his tone to indicate that he is not willing to completely stop his country's nuclear program, despite the fact that his indicated willingness to do so was the catalyst for negotiations in the first place. The Trump administration has indicated that their stance on this issue will not budge, and if North Korea doesn't shut down its nuclear program, the US is more than willing to keep up the hardline sanctions and maximum pressure campaign. Oh, and one more story about Trump that is unfolding sort of quietly. The White House is in an intense battle with China right now over trade policy, and Trump has traditionally taken a pretty hardline stance on the issues under discussion. Last week, however, Trump tweeted about helping to save a Chinese cell phone manufacturer called ZTE. ZTE has been under fire for a while now for trade violations and subsequent cover-ups, and was deemed by various national security agencies and congressional intelligence committees to be a threat to US national security. Again, Trump has traditionally taken a pretty hardline stance, and back in March, his administration prevented ZTE from purchasing a US smartphone chip manufacturer named Qualcomm. So why did Trump suddenly switch stances on ZTE? 
Some have suggested it's a gesture of goodwill to improve his relationship with China ahead of the trade negotiations as well as the North Korea summit, and others have suggested he wants to wrap up these negotiations quickly to avoid a trade war in a midterm election season. And while both of those are logical, they aren't circumstances that changed at all in the time it took Trump's opinion to flip. And one would assume those factors would have been discussed and agreed upon by Trump and his advisors, but his advisors seem baffled by his sudden change of heart. In truth, the only thing that appears to have changed is that a couple of days before Trump tweeted his support for ZTE, a Chinese state-owned company invested $500 million in an Indonesian real estate deal, a deal which includes several expensive Trump-branded properties. It's worth noting here that even though Trump promised to relinquish control of his companies while in office, he didn't. He might have relinquished day-to-day -day control, but he is still the owner. And by the way, day-to-day -day control was given to his sons, who are now also two of his top advisors. Congress. The Senate voted Wednesday to overrule the FCC's repeal of net neutrality. Before you get too excited, however, once the resolution officially passes the Senate, it goes to the House, where its chances are slim at best. And then, of course, it gets sent to Trump's desk. Since the Trump administration supported the FCC's actions, it's unlikely that Trump would sign this kind of resolution. If you're not sure what net neutrality is, go check out our In Focus episode from a few months ago. It'll give you a brief summary of the concept and why people are so fired up about it. National Headlines Victims of Larry Nasser, the physician who sexually abused hundreds of athletes under the guise of medical treatment, arrived at an out-of-court settlement this week with the University of Michigan, where Nasser worked at the time of some of his crimes. The settlement between the university and the 332 of Nasser's victims amounts to $500 million. Lawsuits are still underway between the victims and USA Gymnastics, USA Olympic Committee, and other organizations for whom Nasser worked. Nasser himself, found guilty of all charges earlier this year, is currently serving a 125-year sentence in federal prison. International Headlines Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Trump's plan for a U.S. embassy in Jerusalem? Remember how I said the general consensus was that this was either going to be a little rough or catastrophically rough? Well, this week, when the embassy opened, it proved catastrophically rough. While smiling members of the Trump family attended the opening of the embassy, and Trump himself tweeted that it was a big day for Israel, tens of thousands of Palestinians lined up along the Gaza boundary fence to protest. Reportedly, the overwhelming majority were unarmed, though a handful of people brought knives, guns, and fence cutters. Organizers apparently encouraged people to cross the border, and in response, Israeli snipers opened fire. Tear gas and bullets flew. So far, over 60 Palestinian protesters are dead, including six children, and more than 2,700 people have been injured, including over 1,000 gunshot wounds. I can't find any reports of casualties on the Israeli side. As the coverage of these protests continue, the language seems to be correctly, in my opinion, shifting from words like conflict and skirmish to words like massacre and slaughter. Climate Watch. One of the most damaging chemicals to the ozone is called CFC-11, once used in refrigeration devices and the foam padding of furniture and building insulation. But it was banned worldwide over a decade ago. 
In the 1980s, when the hole in the ozone layer was first discovered, CFC chemicals were found to be one of the biggest causes. So banning those chemicals has allowed the hole to slowly heal over the years. Since 2007, there has been zero reported manufacturing of CFC anywhere on the planet. Now, tearing down old buildings that utilized CFC chemicals in their construction results in a sort of consistent amount of emissions, but the rate declined steadily after the ban in 2007. However, climate scientists have discovered a, quote, sharp and mysterious rise in the atmospheric emissions of CFC-11 in the past several years. They say that unless the culprit is discovered and stopped, the healing of the ozone layer hole could be set back at least a decade. They have tracked the emissions to somewhere in East Asia, but further investigation is needed for a more exact location. A bunch of federal governments, including several from East Asia, have expressed their commitment to enforcing the ban, and investigations are underway to trace down the culprit. Side story. Okay, friends. No more hiding on the outskirts. No more avoiding conflict. It's time to pick sides. Are you a Laurel or a Yanny? Some percentage of you just shouted at your podcast listening device. Half of you were Yannies, and half were Laurels, and all of you thought the other half was crazy. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, let's get you involved in this fight. Remember a few years ago the picture of that dress that was either white and gold or black and blue? Some people emphatically saw it one way, everyone else emphatically saw it the other. Well, this is just like that, only it's an audio clip. Some folks hear Yanny clear as day, and others hear Laurel and think the Yanny folks have been smoking something strong. So okay, before we get too deep into this thing, let's first figure out which you are. Ready? Laurel. Laurel. So? Here, again. Laurel. Clear as day, right? So, the science behind this is all about high and low frequencies. And in fact, if you play with the frequency levels of this clip, you can force a Yanny or a Laurel. Yanny. Laurel. The original clip happens to land right in the middle, and because of the relatively low quality of the recording, the interplay of the frequencies is sloppy, leading people to hear different things. In fact, even the device you listen on can have an effect. But seriously, all these nuanced, scientific, diplomatic explanations aside, it's obviously Laurel. Laurel. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining subscriber. You get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, starting at just a dollar a month, and ranging all the way from a shout-out on the show, uh, up to a guaranteed Crib Notes In Focus episode on the topic of your choice. Patreon.com slash dylanwall. You can find that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter, at CribNotesCast. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or have hired a hitman to take me out for being a Laurel, please give me a heads up by emailing me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address, as well as a link to all my sources, in the description of this episode. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then.